Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> Gather round! It's time to talk about a very special near and dear topic to my heart here on Locked On Dolphins. The NFL Draft, and more specifically, what utopian future I would like to see for the Miami Dolphins as it pertains to the 2020 NFL Draft. This was spawned courtesy of NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah in which he shared his dream outcome for the Miami Dolphins as it pertains to the 2020 NFL Draft. I'm Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins, diehard Dolphins fan, senior NFL Draft analyst for thedraftnetwork.com, and USA Today's uh, managing editor of DolphinsWire.com. So, needless to say, uh, I'm in the weeds as it pertains to these NFL Draft prospects. That does not disclaimer mean I am always going to be right, and if you disagree with me, you are more than welcome to rub my nose in it if that becomes apparent down the road. Uh, Disclaimer, I'm probably not going to read it, but you're more than welcome to tweet me and tell me I was wrong. Uh, The 2020 NFL Draft has quickly become all about the Dolphins. Uh, we, We knew the Dolphins forecast and looking towards their future as a franchise was going to pivot heavily around the 2020 NFL draft as early uh, as this time last year when we started trading away uh, Robert Quinn for pennies on the dollar just to get assets for him and Ryan Tannehill uh, for pennies on the dollar and, and paying money just to get him out of the building and load up on assets and the trade back in the second round this past year in which Miami ideally if hindsight being 2020 we don't roll the dice on Josh Rosen and we just take Eric McCoy the interior offensive lineman who's going to be the starter for the Saints at center uh from Texas saying a really good interior offensive line prospect but at the time for complete transparency I was a proponent of the Josh Rosen deal because you didn't really give up a two, you just financed a two for 12 months, and you took a really low risk from a dollar in draft capital perspective, shot in the dark on a quarterback that was taken in the top 10. That obviously did not work out. So here we are 12 months later, or I guess still technically 11 months later, and the Dolphins are gearing up for the 2020 NFL draft with three ones, two twos, a three, a four, three fives, a six, and three sevens. You got all that? Lots of draft capital at this team's disposal. And quarterback is still kind of the uh, the sore spot for this roster. Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, did an excellent job in 2019 playing amid unideal conditions is probably putting it mildly. What Fitzpatrick had to deal with this year, he was the team's leading rusher. Uh, he was constantly running for his life. A lot of 50-50 balls, but had some guys with some size that were willing to go up and get it and fish it out. And that kind of prompted the breakout year that we saw from Devontae Parker. So not all bad, but Ryan Fitzpatrick being closer to 40 than he is the answer for the Dolphins in the next five years, 
is not a long-term viable quarterback for the Dolphins, and Josh Rosen has given us no reason throughout his first season with the team uh, to, to embrace the idea that he could be a developmental starter. The Dolphins are going to work to change that narrative. And the Dolphins have spent a lot of money in free agency already, front-loading contracts, positioning themselves to be able to get out of bad contracts if things do not materialize, materialize. but they've also bought themselves a lot of flexibility. And, you know, I, I for a really long time this offseason, it was, well, I want to get a quarterback, an offensive tackle, and a defensive end in the pass rush. I want to boost the pass rush. I don't necessarily feel that way anymore because this team went out and they signed Shaq Lawson, who led the Buffalo Bills in hits last year, by the way. Don't just look at six and a half sacks. Emmanuel Ogba is a strong addition to this roster uh, as a rotational defensive end. They got Kyle Van Noy. That's kind of that joker linebacker up on the edge of the line of scrimmage, kind of rushing off a, an interior defender's hip. And then, of course, whatever else comes down the chute in the NFL draft. But there, there's little question the pass rush has been boosted, and it's just not necessarily in the form that we would have liked to have or ideally would have liked to have seen, which is like a Miles Garrett, Von Miller-type presence off the edge. We may still get there. You know, that may end up being something that materializes depending on what happens with LSU's Caleb on Chason, who I think is the leader in the clubhouse outside of the quarterbacks for names mentioned during my tenure of hosting Locked On Dolphins. Caleb on Chason, Jeremy Chin, Tua, Justin Herbert. That's probably the first, the top four names we talk about on this show. But Daniel Jeremiah's dream scenario for the Miami Dolphins is what's prompting today's discussion because Jeremiah and his dream scenario for uh, the Miami Dolphins doesn't necessarily look like what mine does. He mentioned Tua. Uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback on my northeastern accent on Tua's last name, so I'm going to try it again. It's Tungo Vailoa. People are mad that I'm saying Val, Valoa. It's Tungo Vailoa. So please stop tweeting me. I understand, but I'm from the Northeast and we say certain things certain ways. Let me live. <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah has the Dolphins walking out of the first round, or the first two rounds, excuse me, with Tua Tungo Vailoa, Henry Ruggs, wide receiver from Alabama, Austin Jackson, the offensive tackle from USC at 26. Marlon Davidson, defensive end from Auburn at 39. And Lloyd Cushenberry at 56. So the good news is this scenario from Daniel Jeremiah comes out with two starters on the offensive line, presumably Austin Jackson and Lloyd Cushenberry, an upgrade in speed and run after catch, and a guy that's got chemistry with Tua and Henry Ruggs at 18 and another upgrade to the pass rush and Marlon Davidson. What I like about this group is that it doesn't involve a running back in the first two rounds. You know, you get into positional value, you get into the depth of this class. I understand the Dolphins love J.K. Dobbins. I get it. But from a positional value perspective, the Dolphins signing Jordan Howard in a deep running back class, you can get a guy in round three or round four, who should be able to step in and provide you rotational value that's not going to preempt you from getting cheap, strong talent at a different position. 
That's the dilemma that I have with the J.K. Dobbins or any running back specifically being taken early on by the Dolphins. So if I were to grade Jeremiah's dream scenario for the Dolphins, I would probably give it a B. Getting Tua is strong. I like Henry Ruggs. I think we should be more receptive to the idea of a potential wide receiver early, even though it's not a pressing need on the roster. Austin Jackson, I'm not super sold on. He's a guy that I would be considering at 56 or 70, not necessarily 26. Marlon Davidson, I get. Uh, I think he's a little bit of the same thing that we brought in with Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba. So that feels a little redundant to me, but if that's their identity, that's their identity. And Lloyd Cushenberry is a starter at center. So, solid B. What does my ideal outcome look like for the Miami Dolphins? I'm glad you asked. We're going to get into that next, but not before this brief pause for sponsor identification. So keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. We'll be right back after this. So let's talk together now about what an ideal first two days for the Miami Dolphins looks like in the 2020 NFL Draft. So we're talking six picks, which, by the way, uh, all in the top 75 is more than the rest of the AFC East has combined in a deep draft. It's a good time to be a Miami Dolphin. My ideal outcome for the Dolphins involves sitting tight at five, being able to draft Tua Tungavailoa. I think I'm getting the hang of this first name thing, or last name thing. I'm just going to be real deliberate with it. If the Dolphins can sit tight at five, and they can pull Tua, they have already successfully won the first round, in my opinion, no matter what else happens from there on out, because the pressure exists, and the urgency exists to go get your guy. But again, if you look at the landscape of the first round, and specifically the top 10, the only other team the Dolphins have to worry about is the LA Chargers. And the LA Chargers uh, seemingly posturing as though they're content to run uh, run it with a veteran quarterback this year, and they're getting ready to jump into a new stadium, and Cam Newton's a free agent and has at least been linked to them in whispers over the course of the last few months. So that would be something I would watch. And especially if the, if the Chargers end up signing Cam Newton, I have a really hard time seeing you double down on quarterback like that when your offensive tackles are almost non-existent. So Washington, it ain't going to happen. They just traded for Kyle Allen as the backup to Dwayne Haskins, who owner Daniel Snyder wanted desperately to be the pick last year and management cave to ownership. Haskins isn't going anywhere. And then at three, you've got the Detroit Lions as an all-time wild card. But all of the reports after a two-week stretch in which the the, the Lions were trying to posture some urgency to prompt a trade-up, <laughs> the talk of the Lions going with a quarterback has completely disappeared. You've got the New York Giants at four with a general manager who has literally never traded back in the first round in his life. Literally. I'm not making that up. And so you're at a juncture where you're the Dolphins where I am calling everybody and I'm saying, if you get an offer that you think you actually might take, you let me know. But otherwise, I'm staying put. 
And I think if the Dolphins handle it that way and they, they choose to call everybody's bluffs, you should be able to sit tight at five and make your pick. If it comes to that decision and they choose to trade up, will I be upset? No, not unless they get fleeced. But if the Dolphins decide we'd rather have the picks and we feel like we have a 1A, 1B scenario here with Justin Herbert and Tua, I'm not going to be mad at them for that either. And neither should you. The coaching staff should at least have your trust based on what they did last year where you're receptive to see what the plan looks like, even if it's not what you want it to be. Sitting tight at five, picking a quarterback is the win in the dream scenario for me. I do have two as a more highly graded player, but I also don't know what the medicals look like. So taking that for what it is, he looked pretty damn good throwing the ball uh, on, on the video that he shared on social media the other day. I will say that. If that is the first step in the Dolphins' plan, then um, my dream scenario involves one of these top four offensive tackles being on the board at 18. How do we get there? We're going to need to see a run on wide receivers. The good news here is the Jets are a team that had been long reported to be interested in offensive tackles, and they kind of struck out in free agency with Jack Conklin, but this team lost Robbie Anderson in free agency to the Carolina Panthers. So now this team has an even more pressing need at wide receiver, and we know Adam you know, Adam Gase, who's the head coach of the Dolphins, will talk a big game and, and, and probably want to upgrade the offensive line. They've made some signings. But he wants to throw the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets pivot away from an offensive tackle and get a wide receiver. And that's the first domino, because you're probably going to see two or three go in the first 10 picks. Cleveland Browns, Tristan Wirfs, consider that a lock. The Giants are going to have to pass on Mekhi Becton. We're going to have to hope that the Chargers either get Mekhi Becton or the Chargers are more interested in potentially a quarterback. You know, if we're willing to sit tight and if they prefer the quarterback that the Dolphins don't and everything stays status quo, if we see if we get out of the top 10 with two guys gone, which would probably be Becton and Tristan Wirfs, and the Jets go take a wide receiver and they start the wide receiver run and you see wide receivers potentially go 11-12-13, which has the Jets, the Raiders, and the 49ers. All who have needs a wide receiver, the 49ers lost Emmanuel Sanders. Tampa Bay is probably going to take an offensive tackle, so that's three. Which puts you at 15-16-17. Three picks to get through. And if offensive tackle doesn't come off the board there, whether that's Andrew Thomas, whether it's Tristan or Jedrick Wills, whoever. If we get a top four offensive tackle on the board at 18, that is the dream. That is the one you walk away with. You don't ask any questions. You run the card up. You make the pick. And then you get to 26, and 26 becomes very interesting because if you've addressed offensive tackle and you get a starter at offensive tackle, whether it's Thomas or Wills, who are the, the, the two most likely in my opinion, now you've got a need at right guard that needs to be addressed. But then you've also, on defense, you're going to have opportunities to target and land impact players. And that's honestly what the Dolphins need. The Dolphins need playmakers on defense. So that might be a Grant Delpit at 26, and you're going to get a run of teams after the Dolphins with Seattle and Baltimore and San Francisco again who will be in the market for safeties. So Miami's kind of sitting at the front end of that fringe of that tipping point where you could see a Grant Delpit go. 
and I don't really want to get into the, the proposition of, well, let's pass on Delpit at 26 so that we can take Antoine Winfield at 39 because there's no guarantees he's going to be there. The pass rush group is very difficult to peg. You could see Yitor Grossmatos from Penn State there at 26, and he is a little bit more dynamic than some of the other names that we've talked about as edge defenders for the Dolphins, the Emmanuel Agbas, the Shaq Lawsons. Yitor Grossmatos has similar length, a similar build. He's a little bit more dynamic, and like a Emmanuel Agba, he's pretty rough around the edges as far as his pass rush prowess early on. Do I trust the Dolphins to make the most of that skill set? Yes, I would. I think he'd be a good fit as another one of those hand-in-the-dirt defenders. Zach Bond from Wisconsin is also in consideration here, but he feels like a little bit of the same thing that you've got with Kyle Van Noy. Do you want multiple layers of that kind of defender on your team, especially what you're paying Kyle? It gets to be a Cesar Ruiz who the the – Every day that goes by seems less and less likely that you're going to have that materialize for you. Which makes it very difficult. 26 for, for me is where the dream scenario gets complicated because there's layers. And there's you know, domino effects. And, and taking this instead of this is going to compromise your ability to take this later. You could get a comparable player at the same position here. Two picks later in your own queue of picks. So you have to do some soul-searching once you get to 26. I think the Dolphins, and it's been reported by, I believe it was Matt Miller of Bleacher Report. So the Dolphins' objective is to get an offensive tackle with their second first-round pick. I think that's the right mentality to have. And if he's gone, okay, then we pivot. Don't force Josh Jones, please. Either you trade back a little bit, you look for tackle at 26, but coming out of the first round with a quarterback and an offensive tackle and blank. The Dolphins' spending in free agency has bought them the flexibility, but I really feel like the best upside pairing, if he's there, and there's a reasonable chance that he's there because, as I said, the safety run's going to come a little later, is Grant Delpit. Because Grant Delpit has the ability to play man-to-man coverage. He has the ability to buzz down in the box. He has the ability to run the alley and be a run defender. He can play deep middle coverage by himself. The tackling was a little shaky, and that's that's why I'm, I'm at least a little apprehensive, but he seemed to attribute that to uh, he had a, an ankle injury that, that seemed to be bothering him throughout portions of the season. Grant Delpit at 26 would allow you as the Dolphins to put Grant Delpit at free safety, move Bobby McCain back to the nickel, and now you've improved, say what you will, about Nick Needham, I think Nick did a great job for the Dolphins in the back half of the year. Especially impressive because in training camp and preseason, he didn't even look like he belonged on an NFL field. And for him to come as far as he did is excellent. But Bobby's been here for years. I think Bobby's best personnel fit is in the nickel. And that allows Nick Needham to be your primary, your dime back, and your guy who's the primary backup across all the corner positions. You cross-train them at nickel and, and boundary, and depending on you know if Eric Rowe gets hurt or whatever and you need to move Bobby back to a double safety high look and then you rotate, it just gives you a lot of flexibility. And that's for the Dolphins, the flexibility and the added value of playing in guys' faces and pressure looks and guys that can play deep and play in the box and play off and play zone. 
that is Brian Flores talks about his team being full of chameleons. He doesn't use that terminology. That's one of my terminology pieces. That if you ask him to do this, he's going to be able to do this. But if you ask him to do that, he has the mental processing and the athletic ability to be able to do that too. And the more of those players you have on the back end, the more exotic you can keep it because you can put everybody in different spots. And at the snap, they can flip the script on you. They can rotate as necessary. So I think Grant Delpit right now is the name for me that ideally we have a domino waterfall effect. I'd be okay with Grant at 18 for the record. He's a top 25 player for me in this draft class. If you take him at 18, positional value, I get it. But ideally... There's a tackle there at 18. You could take Grant Elpit at 26. Defensive playmaker to go with plus asset in the run game and a new franchise quarterback. What about day two? We got 39, 56, and 70. I'll tell you. But right after this brief pause for sponsor identification, keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, Dolphins fans, and we are going to put the cap on the ideal dream day one, day two NFL draft outcome for the 2020 Miami Dolphins. If you missed the first half, where the heck have you been? We walked away with Tua Tungo Vailoa. Tua Tungo Vailoa. We walked away with either Andrew Thomas or Jedrick Wills. In a perfect world, one of those guys is on the board. I don't care which one it is. And Grant Delpit at 26. Which brings us to 39. And as much as I want to ignore positional value, I understand the Dolphins' running game really does need a boost. Desperately. It it needs reinforcements like no tomorrow. This team was completely ineffective running the football greatly struggled uh, to find creases and create when that initial gap was not present for them. So where do we get those upgrades? We still need an upgrade at right guard, and we still need an upgrade in the long-term view at the running back position, although I do think Jordan Howard will be perfectly fine as the 1A back in Miami's overhauled backfield. Dude's young. Dude's got almost 4,000 career rushing yards. He's got almost 40 career rushing touchdowns. He's 25 years old. He was hurt last year, so he came cheap. He's a gap power style runner. Think about if you watched a lot of Alabama in recent years for Tua. You probably remember the name Damian Harris, who's with the New England Patriots. Buried behind like the Rex Burkheads and the Sony Michels of the world. Uh, Damian Harris... Same style runner as Jordan Howard. So if we're going to try and replicate the Alabama offense, there's a back in Jordan Howard that fits and makes sense. But I don't want to get cute either because I do think a receiver with three-down ability, a receiver who can make impact plays in the passing game, which is not Jordan Howard, is important to this team. Which brings me to J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins is... The, the back the Dolphins have shown the most interest in. And I am in a dream scenario. I would be able to get him at 26 or at 56, excuse me. But I also want to be somewhat realistic. I don't want to project guys that are going to be 
on the board 20-something picks later than than when they should be. You know, the Grant Delpit thing, he's probably 18 to 30 is his range, about 12 picks. You know, one of the offensive tackles, they could all be gone in the top 12, but six spots extension is reasonable. So J.K. Dobbins, he's a top 40 player overall if you negate the positional value. I don't think there's any question that from a, uh, a raw skill set per- perspective, he's one of the top 40 players in this draft class. 56, getting him at 56 feels like a little bit of a reach, so I'm going to peg J.K. Dobbins at 39. It's not in the first round. I can live with it, especially because at 56, I'm going to get another Ohio State Buckeye to help boost the running game. I'm going to pick Jonah Jackson, the offensive guard. Uh, Jackson transferred from Rutgers and played one year at Ohio State, and his tape is really good. So if you have not had the chance to check out Jonah Jackson, offensive guard from Ohio State, I think he's one of the few plug-and-play potential starters at the guard position that did not play center in 2019 at the college football level for the Dolphins. So that would give us, hypothetically, seems like there's more buzz on wills dropping right now than anything else. So let's let's work with and let's pretend we, we pick Jedrick Wills at 18. So that would give us an offensive line that includes Jesse Davis, going to kick him to left tackle. They at least were entertaining the idea of that with the Tunsil trade happening last year. So give me Jesse Davis, left tackle, play side, front side offensive tackle with a left-handed quarterback. Eric Flowers at right guard. Ted Karras at center. Jonah Jackson at right guard. And Jedrick Wills at right tackle. Vastly superior offensive line group to what we had last year with two gap power style runners in J.K. Dobbins, who I think is more scheme flexible and then a quarterback in Tua, and and Jordan Howard being the other back. I think this is a a significantly upgraded core to the offense. And the receivers was one of their greatest strengths anyway. So to summarize, we've got Tua at five. We're going to call it Jedrick Wills. And if it's not Jedrick Wills, if it is Andrew Thomas, play Jesse Davis on the other side. Jesse Davis will be the other starting offensive tackle. 26, you got Grant Delpit, J.K. Dobbins, Jonah Jackson, and that leaves pick 70. We're in the early third round, which is kind of like a, it's an interesting area because you probably could get a back like Zach Moss or, or Cam Akers here at 70, and it would be realistic. Which then you you ask yourself the question, okay, what could we have had at 39? I don't want to play that game today. This is This is my dream scenario based on where we stand right now with this roster, where I stand on the prospects. You could go corner. You could go with another safety, Jeremy Chin type. I think he'll be gone, though. You could go with a wide receiver. You could go with a pass rusher. I think wide receiver and pass rusher are the two areas that make the most sense because, one, this is a really deep wide receiver group. So you could get a guy that you're typically going to get in the second round should be here in the early third round. Anybody that, that strikes your fancy, well, that's a different question. And then in the pass rush, you've got names like uh, Khalid Kareem, who we talked about on this podcast not too long ago. 
as a potential viable name. Man, I'm looking over my list right now. I think Curtis Weaver will be gone. I think he'd be an interesting fit. Maybe Josh Uche. Let's go with Josh Uche from Michigan, the pass rusher from Michigan. He is a little bit of a tweener. He's like the dollar store version of Caleb on Chaser. If you're not familiar, he's about 6'1", 245. He's got like 33-inch arms, though, so he does have requisite length. And he's kind of that hybrid stand-up. I just want a little bit more twitch out of this group for the Dolphins. And uh, you watched him down at the Senior Bowl, and you, you saw it was pretty apparent. He has some first-step explosiveness. He's got some good bend off the edge as an outside pass rusher. So that's an appealing blend for me that... Um, I think he's probably a fringe second-round guy, so to project him in the early three is is not outrageous. It's not unrealistic, but it is ideal that he's there, and that's the whole point of this exercise is finding who ideally is there. So let's put a bow on this. My dream scenario for the Dolphins. Shout-out to Daniel Jeremiah for the inspiration for this show. My dream draft scenario in the first three rounds for the Dolphins with all their top 100 picks is stay put at five, get your quarterback. Obviously, the expectation here and the player I have graded higher is Tua. But if it's Justin Herbert, I'm not grabbing my pitchfork and torch. Okay, let's let's get that out of the way. I'm receptive to either quarterback. I, I would also technically be receptive to Jordan Love, just not at five. I think he's got some really attractive, redeeming qualities to his game. But I do think there's a significant drop-off from Tua and Herbert to what you get with Jordan Love. But let's call it Tua Tungo-Vailoa at five, and then 18, believe we're calling it Jedrick Wills, who seems to be of the big four, the guy who's most probable to fall at this point in time. 26 is Grant Delpit. 39 is running back J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. 56 is Jonah Jackson, offensive guard from Ohio State. And then 70, Josh Uche, pass rusher from Michigan. That would be my ideal group. I'd love to hear yours. Tweet at LockedOnFins with a PH or tweet at GrindingTheTape. Let me know what your ideal top three rounds for the Miami Dolphins looks like in the 2020 NFL Draft. This is Kyle Krabs. Hope to see you tomorrow. Come on back. Lots of great draft and Dolphins conversation awaits. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening to Locked On Dolphins.